What the hell's the name of this thing? The Ballsy Podcast. Hosted by the award-winning Evan Grant. Before I come across the table and rip Barry's throat out. Kevin Sherrington. I'm going to say to you what you said to me a while ago. Shut up. Barry Horn. I'm going to bring milk and cookies next week. Get ready for the most listened to sports podcast in Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm Evan Grant, and this is Ballsy. I'm Kevin Sherrington, and in this episode, we'll be talking about the Rangers. And I'm Barry Horn. To hear our other exciting additions, simply subscribe to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. You know we're on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search Ballsy Podcast. That's Ballsy with a Z. So sit back, relax, that's relax with an X, and enjoy another edition of the Rangers Ballsy with a Z Podcast. Hello again, everybody. This is Evan Grant. Kevin Sherrington is sitting across the table from me. Barry Horn is on assignment. On assignment in, uh, I think, in Outer Mongolia. Listen, I will say this, because we're going to bash Barry the rest of the, the podcast. Cool. But uh, if you didn't read Barry's story on Babe Loffenberg and his son Luke dealing with uh, uh, leukemia uh, that was in Sunday's paper, um, you really should. These are the kind of stories that Barry excels at. He gets people to to reveal really intimate details about their personality and about who they are and and, and uh, exposes a side of, of, of the personal side of sports that uh, I think we very rarely get to see. So um, I would suggest that you pick that up or search it online. Yeah. Um, and uh, that's all I'll say nice about Barry today. Well, I'll say this too, that um, I know Babe – um had did didn't really want to talk about that uh subject uh he had texted uh barry and i last week and um uh, and of course it's very uh delicate situation you're talking about your son and uh and babe is basically as gregarious as he seems he's also a very private person it's it's possible to be both those things at the same time and and you're right to get him to talk about that uh, I think it was good because, um, you know, in those kind of situations, you need all the kind of, all the people you can get on your side um, in times like that. Yeah. And I would just say that uh, um, when you got babe on your side, you're in um, you're pretty good. He's good people, isn't he? Yeah, he is. I, I, you know, let me just say this about babe Loffenberg while we got an opportunity uh, we talk on our podcast all the time about people that, um, you know, they're what they're like and, and, uh, you know, going back a long time, uh, you know, I was not around babe when he was covering the Cowboys. That was not my beat. And, uh, I mean, when babe was playing for the Cowboys as a, as a backup quarterback. And, uh, I tell you how I got to know babe was that, uh, he emailed me, uh, several times about things I had written and uh, had uh, was very complimentary and uh, and he wrote a, a column for us occasionally over the years and, and they were always very well done you know we've had a lot of people from the outside do that kind of thing and that's the kind of guy he is uh we talked about jason garrett and him trying to pursue excellence wherever it is um i've never had anybody who was a former athlete uh, more interested in what I do and why I do it, uh, and as complimentary and uh, he he has recalled things and stories that I've written that I don't remember, uh, and that's just, that's pretty remarkable when a guy um, uh, is like that. It's just especially among athletes, not a lot of that going on. So 
I always had a little soft spot in my heart for for Babe. Yeah, yeah, he's a he's a good man. Um, very very caring person. Yes, and, uh, yeah, I echo everything you say. Terrific guy. Um, let's uh, let's talk a little baseball now, shall we? You know, yesterday uh, I was out there uh, at the at the ballpark uh, with Ben Baby, our new Rangers beat writer, apparently, mm-hmm. and uh, we were. Uh, talking to the general manager and players and all kinds of stuff. And there, there was no Evan Grant to be seen anywhere. Uh, I was on assignment. You were on assignment. Can we talk about your assignment, or is that still a top secret? Uh, let's, uh, well, we'll have a story in the paper uh, this week. Um, but uh, I spent some time with Joey Gallo. Um, Where? Both in Los Angeles and in Las Vegas. Because um, y'all were gambling and, you know, doing a lot of stuff. Absolutely. Sports um, bets and stuff like that. But uh, Joey's got a great frame of mind right now, and um, uh, the story, I think, is going to be very much about the difference in where he was a year ago versus where he is now. And, and, and you saw you saw Joey Gallo hit 40 home runs last year, um, and, and I think he's in a better place than he was at any point in time last year mentally. I think, he, uh, I think Joey's the kind of kid who uh thrives on a little bit of positive affirmation and i think that um he did that for himself last year and now that he knows that he can do that and create that for himself i think that uh there's there's more to be done uh and i don't necessarily mean that that's going to lead to 50 home runs i think that uh the biggest change that joey can make this year and and i think he's well aware of it is to be able to on occasion when pitchers pitch him out away uh be willing to drive the ball the other way uh, if it adds up to a dozen, 15 more hits over the course of the year, uh, that's going to be the closest way he pushes his OPS uh, to closer to 900. Um, he was at 869 last year. Uh, the batting average uh, would obviously go up with a, with a few more hits. Uh, I don't know that you're ever going to expect Joey Gallo to be a 280 or 300 hitter, but there's room for the batting average to go up. I think where it came to walks, and home runs, uh, we saw very much what Joey Gallo is capable of, and I don't know that you'd want to ask him to do a lot more. I think that you don't want to ask Joey, hey, take the home run swing. His swing is powerful enough that uh, as long as he's uh, at the plate and he's got an idea of what he wants to do and he's got a plan, he's going to generate enough power. He doesn't have to try and add to it. And I think in 15 and 16 – he felt like he had to go up there and hit a ball 500 feet, and I don't think he feels that way now. Well, I'll, I'll say this. Uh, um, first of all, about Joey's swing, it's a long, powerful swing. And when you have that kind of swing, you're, you're going to have a lot of swing and miss. Um, it's not. It's the difference between a guy besides their size. Willie Calhoun was out there yesterday. <laughs> Willie looks like you know a junior high kid. Um Got a very short, quick swing. Now that's the kind of swing, you know, that that can have a lot of success because he's not going to get fooled as much, and he's not going to uh, overreach, and and uh, he's still got power with that swing. That's that's, but that's who Willie Calhoun is. This is who, as we said before, we're saying that a while ago. You got to be who you are, and you can be the best of who you are. And I think the best of of a guy like Joey Gallo is probably, you know, 40-something home runs uh, if he hit uh, 230 with an o, you know, a OBP of, uh, let's say, 
320. His OBP last year was 333. 333. And and I I think this is a guy capable of 340 to 350. You know, I mean, the walk, he had 75 walks in in, uh, about, how many plate appearances did he have last year? He had 532 plate appearances. I think in a full year, you're going to see Joey with about 550 to 600 plate appearances. I think you could see the walks go closer to, to 85 or 90. See, and, and that's, of course, if you look at the great power hitters, uh, you remember what Prince Fielder in his prime, obviously Barry Bonds, an outrageous OBP. Right. It's because people are afraid of them. Right. And so they're 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 gonna they're gonna pitch them away more. They're not they're not gonna give them that kind of thing. And it's and and that's an to me. Maybe not an easy fix, but a fairly easy fix. You just say, "Hey, man, just look for your pitch." Okay. Well, I, I mean, I think I think he did a good job last year of recognizing when when guys were working away and out of the zone against right. him. Um, I think certainly over as the year progressed, he did that. Um, I don't think it's so much that he chases balls uh, outside of the zone. I think that when he, I think what he's got to do is when pitches are away and strikes. Rather than try and, and sure. pull them, go the opposite Absolutely. way. Absolutely, he needs to do that. But I, I do think uh, I saw, um, and when I talked about my, my wrote my annual column of regrets, the very first one was saying that I thought that Joey was not ready to to be in the big leagues. That he was going to strike out three hundred times, uh, and he needed to spend another year in the minors. And I thought he showed great um, maturation, as, as you said, um, in, in recognizing these things. I thought those were really great signs. And, you know, the, the thing is, I hear from fans, and, you know, after I wrote that, they said, oh, you're, you're wrong, you were right in the first place. He, you know, the, all they're looking at is the batting average. And, and you know, uh, I'll be the first to say here that I, you know, it's hard for me to embrace all this new stuff because I don't know what half of it means in the, in the analytics. But I am seeing that. That you have, have, people have got to start forgetting about batting averages. You got to start looking at at OBP. You got to start looking at OPS. And I don't think you have to forget about batting average. Batting average is still important because I, I still think that when you hit the ball, you 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 create damage. But I do think that yeah, I mean we've clearly, I think the generation of baseball fans that that have grown up now uh, behind us have looked much more towards OBP, uh, OPS. And more advanced metrics, right? Uh, but I, I also don't want to discount batting average because if you are a threat to hit the ball when you get up, when you get to the plate, it's going to make you a more dangerous hitter all the way around. Well, I think that's true. But I, what I was going to say is that that Joey's never gonna. I, I don't. To me, if Joey ever got his average over two fifty, that would really be something. Mm-hmm. I don't. Mm-hmm. I just don't think he's ever going to be that guy. And I think you need to appreciate what he brings to the table. I uh, think he understands that he is a different set of numbers than than most have seen. Yeah. I think he understands. I, I think to me the key is, and this is what I wanted to bring up, but we've talked about this before, and I've wanted to bring it up, and I've, uh, I've always been remiss in doing that. When um, when Tom Grieve made the trade to bring Rafael Palmeiro, one of your old pals, to this team, uh, I believe that was the same year that he got Julio Franco in that same uh, off season. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had we just had a discussion. We were just talking, and I said, I, I said, Tom, I think these are really good moves to bring these guys in here because these guys are are hitters there you know at that time uh, Rafi was not a home run hitter and uh he was he hit for average everybody thought and, and you know that was and I know that's not a something saying that oh look so then that's what steroids mm-hmm. did for him 
That's what Hank Aaron was when he came up. Everybody mm-hmm. thought Hank Aaron was going to be the next guy to hit 400. They did Hank not... Aaron never hit 50 home runs. Right. They, they didn't think he was going to be a guy who hit 755 home runs. They thought mm-hmm. he was going to hit 400. So, uh, and I said, because to me, these are exactly the kind of things you need in this lineup. you got a swing and miss lineup here, and mm-hmm. these guys are going to make contact. And, mm-hmm. that's, and that's exactly what Tom said. He goes, that's exactly what I was looking for. So, to me, in the Rangers lineup, there is certainly a place for Joey Gallo. The problem for me is that there are too many guys like him in the lineup. That is why, to me, that it's really important if they can find a place for a guy like Willie Calhoun, if he is indeed going to continue in the trend that he certainly showed in the minor leagues where he is a, a, a contact hitter and he's also got some pop as well. These are the kind of things that they – they need to be mixing more guys like that around Joey. So where Joey is the is the occasional player, not the guy that you see, you know, in five different spots in the lineup. Mm-hmm. I I think that uh, I think the Rangers as they go to spring training, and and I, I think what you heard John Daniels say um, yesterday is the thing, the same thing that he said uh, in the last month, and and that we wrote about. Um, that they were going to give a lot of their younger players who have been knocking on the door the opportunity to play. And that means that that guys like, again, I, I know it seems like Jerickson Profar is 35 years old right now. but <laughs> How old is Jerickson? He's 25. Yeah. Um, he's out of options. Uh, the Rangers have to find a place to play him uh, or trade him. And it, they, if they try and trade him right now, they're not going to get anything of any value for him. So I think their, their look is with Profar this year – Find a role for him in some way, and either he really takes a step forward and it helps his team improve, or maybe he takes a step forward. The other guys around him don't really come together, and when the team decides that they've got to make some moves, then they've got a more valuable piece. Um, but to trade him right now, I think they feel like they just be basically be giving a player uh, away. There's no question about it. So now here is where you run into to an issue because I really feel like Joey Gallo can be a Gold Glove caliber first baseman. I think he is mm-hmm. a he, he. I think last year with virtually no training, went to first base and played above average defensively at first base. Uh, he's very athletic and he moves well and he's a yeah. huge target to throw to. Right. Um, so let's let's assume you put Gallo at first base. Mm-hmm. Uh, clearly, you're going to have Odor at second. You're right. going to have Andrus at short, Beltre at third. So now you get to the outfield. You've got Mazzara in right. Looks like you're going with the Shields in center, which I think is the right way to go right now. You get to left field. You've got Joey. Ga- you've got uh, Ryan Rua, Willie Calhoun, Drew Robinson, and Jerickson Profar. Four guys right there, all young guys, still young. Um, Rua, I think, is the oldest at 26 or 27. 27. Um, three of them are. are Take the majority of their bats left-handed, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> with Rua being the only right-handed hitter. You got to find, or are you going to find room for all those guys? And 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 where it's going to really um, potentially squeeze Calhoun is he's one of the guys with options right now and has the least major league experience. I think he's also the guy that he hit three hundred in the minor leagues last year with thirty bombs, and and that's a guy that. Providing he shows he can he can acquit himself defensively in left field during spring training, that's the kind of guy you've got to be looking at this year. Sure. So I, I think the Rangers are still going to run into an issue where they're either going to have to force Profar into more at bats in a utility role all the way around the diamond, which is you you've maintained he doesn't really respond well to or hasn't in the past. No. Nope. But I I do think if they at least give him more regular 
at bats, it may satisfy him. <laughs> um, well, what else is he going to do? Exactly. And I think that the, the Rangers also have to make sure that they, you know, last year he had a he had a lot of problems in the major leagues hitting from the right-hand side against left-handed pitchers. And you would think right now that the most the most opportunities would come hitting from the right-handed side against left-handed pitchers. I think the Rangers need to find a way to make sure that they hit him against both righties and lefties, give him regular at-bats moving around the field, and then you're still you still got a log jam in the outfield. All right, uh, let me let me go over this with you because this is something I'm writing for tomorrow's paper. That would be for Wednesday's paper. Um, and that is so John Daniels sits at this press conference yesterday and after a lot of badgering from uh, the local media uh, led by T.R. Sullivan who as John put it wants to know what the lineup is going to be on October the 10th for next season um, basically are you going to sign anybody or not are you going to bring in a big name player no basically basically John said I'm not going to rule out anything but we're not going to do that look you don't rule out anything I think it's very clear that if all things were equal, um, you Darvish has chosen to make Dallas his home. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think he, I think his family and and having a family life and in this environment is important to him. But the Rangers aren't going to offer him what you would think is market value. They're not going to offer five years. No, they're, they're not going to offer twenty five million dollars a year. No. Now, if you Darvish's market, quote-unquote, falls, and I'm not so sure that at the end of the day the market is going to fall for these guys. I don't think it will. But if it does and he comes down to below $20 million or right at $20 million, I do believe at that point in time it would be it would behoove the Rangers to take money and, and, and sign him because at that point he's a value sign, to be perfectly honest, Sure. Uh, on a four-year deal. The question to me still is, if he came down to nineteen million dollars a year for four for four years, if you're the Chicago Cubs, isn't he then a value at twenty one million dollars sure. a year for four years? Absolutely. So I I still don't know how that happens unless you get to a point where you where you Darvish feels like I'm willing to give up a little bit extra money on the market to stay here. Um, this is again why the Rangers have always tried to maintain a good relationship with Darvish. It's why Daniels went out to dinner with Darvish to just have a, a conversation that wasn't negotiating. And in a lot of ways, it was kind of a, a goodbye conversation because I think they both felt like the market was going to go. If the market comes back, you always have to be prepared. Right. In the absence of that, do I think the Rangers will still sign a starting pitcher? I think it's entirely possible because the market is glutted with pitchers and it looks like it's going to come down. Andrew Kashner is still sitting out there. If he's willing to, again, take a one-year deal, how do you not look at that? You know, he was he was serviceable in innings last year. The 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 peripheral stats suggest that he may come back down. Right. But listen, you are going to need a number of starters to get through this year. And John made that clear that he was going to stretch out the rotation. They they've got to add a guy or two for the rotation. You've right. only, you've only got five, and you know you you know Nick Martinez has gone in Japan right. uh, now. So they, that was a you know I think he was a consideration. I don't think they had given right. up on Nick. So. But, so yeah, I'm, I'm conceding that that I don't, I don't think they're going to add any big. They're not going. You know, he's also indicated that that the, all the the talk about Lorenzo Cain. No, they know. have never been interested in Lorenzo Cain. And again, as I've tried to make the point over and over again, I made this last year. I make it this year. You go back and you look at the long term deals for center fielders mm-hmm. over the age of thirty. They don't work out. 
Jeff Passon of Yahoo Sports yesterday wrote a really interesting piece on the economic state of baseball and how the economy of the game may be broken because we have reached a point now where we're giving out these these mega, mega contracts for players who have really accomplished the heights of their career, right, and are are not going to re are not going to reach those again. Yeah, and so that may that may be something you have to look at in the long term in terms of the econ- the economy of the game and the rules of how you negotiate contracts. But the bottom line is, if you're the Rangers, you're not looking a at a long term deal for a center fielder. B, I think Delano De Shields took big steps forward last year, and he's one of these young players that you'd want to look at. And C. It's a bad investment to go out and spend big money on a center fielder the age of 30 on a multi-year deal. I will say this because I don't and before you uh, go off because we, we we have drifted from where I wanted to go uh, initially because I want to make some givens here. But oh, oh there we go. Excuse me. Uh, is is that uh, the thing I will say about Kane is that uh, I was I was not aware of his WAR is second only to what to Mike Trout's over the last five years among center fielders um uh also a really good guy uh still still a good athlete still fast uh and i think that on a on an org in a on a club that is about to lose adrian beltre uh and will lose a lot of leadership obviously when he goes that it's that this team needs some veteran influence now i, I agree with you if i'm gonna have to pay him 20 million a year for four years whatever that's ridiculous i'm not doing that uh, either I, I'm only interested in the, for the right price, but all right. I've had, I said this, and let's move on. Because here's the thing that John talked about: we want to give these young guys a chance to play. And so, in my mind, I'm thinking the young guys he he mentioned specifically that they've given a chance and they've responded to that were Delino and Joey Gallo. So those were the two guys he cited. He never brought up Jerks and Profar's name, as I recall. Um, so let's go around the the, the lineup here. If it ends up with Joey Gallo at first base, mm-hmm. which I think it should, I can mm-hmm. I, I think to think that you're gonna you're gonna jam you know Guzman you know in there, you know obviously he's a prospect and obviously he had a, he had a good year last year at AAA, but I just think that's if you do that then you're telling me we're really tanking this thing. Uh, I just I, I think you've got a you've got a young capable first baseman. Yeah. And I think that Joey also responded really well to playing the majority of his games he at, did. At, at first base after Beltre came back. Put him in the position. Let him thrive in that position. Yeah, that's, that's the way I see it, too. And Ronald I, Guzman has minor league options. Yeah. Yeah, he had a very good year last year. But sometimes just having a good year in the minor leagues no. is not enough unless there's an opportunity to push you to the big leagues. Not a, not a huge power threat, either. And, and right now... I think he's going to hit for power. I think right now, even Good. though Calhoun is newer to the to the system than Guzman, Calhoun to me had a better offensive year last year. Oh, absolutely. And the, the, there is more need for a left fielder. And that's and this is the point I'm getting to here. So we've got so if Gallo's going to play well, first, get base, to the point already. Well, like I can't because you keep interrupting. If Gallo's going to play first base, I, I think that's a good idea. Uh, and then and then of course, unless. Odor continues on this, you know, descent that he that he took last year. He's going to be the second baseman. Elvis is short. Uh, Beltre is at third unless they unless he has a lot of injury problems. And I think at that point they're going to try to look at 
a Profar over there or or a Drew Robinson over there at third base. Um, in center field, I think it is going to end up being Delino. Uh, I think they're going to go ahead and you know and say until Leota Tavares is ready to play that that we're going to put Delino out here. He's a very intriguing player to me uh, because, and then of course Mazzara and right because in in center field uh, he's he's fast and doesn't have great instincts. He got better last year, uh, a very subpar arm, and that's what bothers me. You know, it's it's on the level of. Uh, who who was the uh, Juan Pierre? He's on the level of Juan Pierre, and and that's and that's problematic for me. So, uh, but clearly, when he's hitting at the top of the lineup, he mm-hmm. he's a force. I I think mm-hmm. he has the ability to be one of the best leadoff men in baseball, because if he puts the ball in play, uh, he's pretty much on base. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, if he worked on his button a little bit more. If I were him, I'm I'm button you know a couple of times. I'm I'm button four or five times a home stand. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if I'm him, uh, so why I, only at home? Why wouldn't you bunt on the road, Kevin? Oh, okay. Excuse me. On a road, on a trip, on a ser- in a series. Uh, let me say that uh, in a series. A week. I, I'm, no, I'm four or five times a week. I'm saying if he's yeah, if he's not button it once a game, why not? Right. When are they? You know, what are they going to do? They're all going to, you know, the third baseman is going to play forty feet from home plate all the time. Right. So, and he's right-handed. Uh, it, it, it's just, uh, to, and you know, speed plays every day, and and that's that's the other thing about him that's so different uh, from pretty much everybody else in the lineup. You got that kind of speed, he makes things happen. So, so he's an interesting player. So, my question is for you: all of this we've got. And every and, and all the guys that he wants to play, besides being finding a super utility player, which could be Drew Robinson, could be Jerks and Profar, is all jammed in the left field. Mm-hmm. And, and and to me, that's that's the problem for this team. It, you know uh, about the, the whole idea of well, let's let's take this year to play the young guys and see how they do. Well, okay, I, I'm I'm for that when it looks like the Astros are light years removed from them, and that the Angels are better, and that the, the Mariners are better, and that Oakland's better. I could certainly see that the Rangers finishing last in the division, and they're not even trying to finish last. You mm-hmm. know, uh, th- that's certainly a possibility for this team. So the the answer then is just like with the Mavericks. Well, then let's play the young guys, and and, and let's see how they do, and let's develop them, and then we get ourselves in a position, a better position next year. And you're a little bit closer, and you're a little bit closer. But how are they going to see young guys play on this team besides the ones that are already playing? Well, I mean, I think there are a number of young guys that are already playing, and I think that the young guys that they're talking about playing are ultimately. Um, Guys that you've all met, that, that you've mentioned, and some of the guys aren't going to get 500 at bats this year. It's just, I mean, you, it, it's just the, the nature of the beast. And if this team doesn't do well, you're very likely to move Beltre at, at the deadline. Yeah, uh, which may at that point in time move Gallo back across the infield to third base, at least for the short term, would give you an opportunity to take a more a longer look at Guzman over the second half of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, you you very well may move pro far at some point in time this year, or there's always this the, the possibility that you might move Elvis if you feel like Elvis is going to opt out. You feel like you tell, tell everybody what Elvis's contract situation is. Yes, Danny. Yeah. 
uh, Elvis can opt out after this year. Yeah. Um, and I, I think the and his contract, if he doesn't, his contract runs through twenty two. Twenty two. That's what right. I thought. Yeah. Uh, I think there's a strong chance that he'll opt out. I think there's also a very strong chance that the Rangers will make every effort to bring him back. Um, uh, and I think that there's a very strong possibility that they'll try and negotiate that in spring training. Right now, with with Scott Boris having so many guys on a free agent market unsigned, I don't even think it's a great it's a great time to try and and get that done. But I think once all of that happens, I think the Rangers will try and and, and approach that. And I think Elvis may end up with uh, not a huge financial raise, but I think he may end up with a couple more years worth of security. Really, add years to that. I think so. I think you may see him get through twenty four. I, I don't know. If that's a good idea. You know, the the fifteen million a year is is now turned into uh, pretty much a bargain. Yeah, uh, it was a terrible contract a couple of years For the into first it. two years. Yeah, uh, and and the length of it was the problem. See, to me, just what you said before. It, this is the problem in baseball um, that the other sports don't have. Uh, from my mind, if you're if you're talking about the the, the budgets, is that there's no such thing as a bad one-year deal or two-year deal or three-year deal. It's the it's the five and six and seven and eight, nine, ten-year deals that were just ludicrous, and that's what that's what gets you in trouble. To think that I mean, how much longer does the Albert Pujols contract run? It just it's still got a couple of years, doesn't it? I believe it's got at least three more years. Yeah, three more years of that. The guy's a statue. Right. So uh, it's. That's the problem for me. Is that I'd have. No, He's I'd not have a pro- statue. He's kind of animatronic. <laughs> yeah, he kind of is. It's the. It's a problem to me. Of of uh of I I think Elvis is really hitting his prime, and he's really playing much better here. And and uh, Elvis is what he is thirty. He is going to be twenty nine in August. Twenty nine. I was close. Twenty nine. So he'll actually he's going to be twenty. No. Will he be 30 in August? Well, I'm not sure. But he's certainly hitting his prime uh, from a, from the standard of what you would expect of a guy his age and from what he's d- putting out on the Elvis field. Andrus will turn 30 on August 26th. Okay. So uh, uh, to think that I'm going to now, six years from now, I'm going to extend him through his, uh, his year 36, uh, I don't know about that. Uh, I, I, I might give him a little more money. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I'd be more willing to do that than to extend the right. contracts. That's possible. Uh, uh, because, uh, look, this is, this is an organization that's about to turn over. Um, there, there are a couple of years. You know, I love it when Baseball America does those, those projected lineups, like for 2021, mm-hmm. and, they, <laughs> and everybody on the list is pretty much a guy from the farm system. Right. You know, right. and uh, I think the only guy they had uh, in that latest one that Jim Callis did, it, there was a uh, – he had Elvis – uh, it's short still in 2021, and I think that was it. I think everybody else was, and, and maybe Odor at second. Uh, and, oh, I'm sure they and, had and Gallo. Gallo. And Gallo, yeah. They but, probably had Mazzara on there, too. Yeah, they did. Okay, maybe I'm making this up, then. Okay. No, but there was, but no, those guys are all kids. Right. Right? That's, I mean, uh, and and this, is, this is the thing, guys. I, 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 I think that, you know, you go around the Rangers, go around the Rangers infield. Joey Gallo's 24. Right. Um. Odor's 24. Uh, yeah, you've got Elvis, who's going to turn 30 this year. You've got Beltre, who's a free agent after this year. Right field, Mazar is 23. Mm-hmm. Going to be 23 in May. Uh, at the end of April, I mean. The Shields, I think, is 25. Um, I think maybe the Shields 26. is older than that. Yeah, a little bit. Let's see. Uh, hang on. And then, you know, well, uh, as you're looking at it, uh, and then uh, uh, Catcher, you've got... The Shields, uh, the, the Shields 
is 25. He will turn 26 in uh, in yeah. August. Um, and then you've got you know the guys like like Drew Robinson. Uh, Drew is uh, 24, I believe. Uh-huh. Willie Calhoun is 22. So you've got how old is Chirinos? Drew Robinson is 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 twenty five, going to be twenty six, mm-hmm. uh, and Willie Calhoun. Willie Calhoun. Internet slowdown. Yeah, Willie Calhoun is going to be twenty. Is going to play at twenty three all year. Chirinos is thirty four. Yeah. Uh, the big question the Rangers have is: Do they have a catcher coming? Um, uh, I think Chirinos is in great shape for 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 his age. Uh, and I think he's, I think he's, he's not caught a lot of games. He's not caught a lot of games. And remarkably, even though he's in his mid thirties, uh, I believe his trajectory has continued to, to kind of yeah, push upwards so at too. some point in time, you know, it's going to, it's going to plateau as, as, as nature just kind of takes its course. Doug Melvin always said, was it 900 games at catcher? Yeah, but that would, that's he was, what, that's he, what was, he was trying to make a decision on budge. He was wrong on that. Who um, past that? uh, I, 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 I my point is that if you go around the field, and we haven't even gotten into the guys like Guzman who are pushing for time, right. and the fact that Profar is 25, there's a number of 26 and under players mm-hmm. uh, that will have significant role on this team this year. And it will be a growing year for a lot of guys. Um, the problem still comes down to where are they as a pitching staff yeah. and that this organization – has not developed its own starting pitching inventory. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're just lacking there, and it's it, it's something that has to be addressed. And this is I, the Rangers have put some resources into this. Uh, they they've tried to be more analytical in in how they approach this, but they have got to start developing pitchers because if you intend to compete without going to the very top of the payroll scale, and I think the Rangers will always be a top 10 kind of payroll team, but I don't think they'll, but I think there's also a big difference between uh, six through 10 and one through four, one through five. Um, Until that point, unless the Rangers are willing to go there, they have got to develop their own pitching. It's that simple. It is that simple, and it's the interesting thing to me listening to John talk yesterday, and um, um, I, I feel like uh, he, he used the words realistic. We're realistic about where we are as an organization. That's where, what he said on our podcast. Yes, he has, and, and uh, about what they are. And I think if you're realistic and you look at it, all right, um, who who on this team uh, – Other, listen – I think that Gallo has potential to be a, a star, um, not not a not a big time star, but a, but a star. Oh, I think he's got potential to be a big time star. He, he might, and that's certainly possible. Uh, I think Odor has the potential to be a star if he can just get uh, his head going the right direction. Here is here is what if if I am the Rangers this year, okay, the things that I want to see. I'd like to see Gallo continue to progress. It yeah. doesn't have to be a huge progression this year. Right. He made a huge step last year. It's pretty good. I need to see a big step forward in approach from Odor. Right. And I think after two years of very similar, solid, but similar numbers, No More Mazzara has got to take a step forward as a yeah. hitter and as a slugger. Right. Um, I, I think last, you know, Mazzara did have 100 RBIs last year, and that is nothing, uh, that is nothing to dismiss. Right, but 
he's had consecutive years um, of OBPs of 320 and 323, slugging percentages of 419 and 422, OPSs of 739 and 745. It's time for him to start pushing the 800 mark. Yeah. Uh, he hasn't hit more than 20 home runs either year. And 20 home runs, as we saw last year, you know, Elvis hit 20 home runs. Yeah. Um, Chew hit 20 home runs. It, it's, it's, 20 home runs is not a benchmark. No. Uh, if, if you're going to only hit 20 home runs, then you better be close to a 300 hitter. Right. So I think it, I, I think. Well, the other as, numbers have to all be better, too. I, I think as Mazar takes, comes into his, what will be his third full year, I think the Rangers would like to see a significant step forward there. And if you do that, hey, you're not going to catch the Astros all in one year unless unless the Astros have devastating injuries to their pitching staff. Yeah. Uh, and they've got a super pitching staff right now with a great young collection of, 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 of talent. I think part of the Rangers' realistic expectations kind of came forward in the way the, the, the winner took shape with the Rangers, I think, in my mind, this is me, I know John Daniels would dispute this, but I think the Rangers put a lot of uh, a lot of eggs into the Otani basket. Mm-hmm. I think they they felt like they were going to land Otani. And and listen, any club that's going into this should should sure. approach it with the confidence that we're going to land him. Right. I don't know how strong their plan B was, and I think that when Otani not only didn't sign with them, but then signed with a team that finished above them in the AOS last year, the Angels. I think it really kind of knocked them for a loop. And I think it made them take stock and say, hey, wait a minute. Should we be throwing money out here or should we give our guys opportunities and and continue to build to a point in time where we're ready to tackle both these guys? I think that was the plan B. That that may well be. I, I think that was. And and, and here cuz here's the thing now I, I'm I'm looking here if we're going to talk about the Astros who just made the trade for Garrett Cole uh, which was uh, it, it didn't seem to me, you know, to give up a whole lot to get him. And of course, there's questions about, you know, why he's had the regression he's had the last couple of years, right? As well, but still, for him to be their number three, that's pretty good. Uh, so, so it, let's it, let's look a minute at the Astros and see. Here's the problem for me with the Rangers uh, and their scouting and what they've been able to do. Look, I, I like Mazzara, I like Gallo, I, I like Odor. Okay. I, I like the shields and the, the things he can bring. I like some of the things that Willie Calhoun brings. But none of those guys is a two-way player. They're, they're, they're all offensive guys. I and, would I would dispute you on Gallo. Oh, well, you're right. You're right. Gallo, Gallo is. Uh, that's, that's correct. He's not as a third baseman, though. Uh, and then, I, I think as a third baseman, he could be averaged to slightly above. I think the big question on Gallo is is the size. and, and too big. To and, and you know, is it going to be too hard for him to continue to get down on balls? But I think as a first baseman, the guy is a is is, is capable of Gold Glove. I, I agree with that. You're right. All right. So that but that's one. Right. The, the Astros have a lot of two way players. Right. You know, and, and guys who those guys in the outfield, boy, they're just tremendous athletes. I I think, um, and I don't I don't want to be hard on Mazar because I think he's I, I think he's going to continue to 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 improve, but he's not as athletic as I think no. that this club hoped. Uh, he doesn't move as well in the outfield as, as as you would have hoped. Throws pretty well. He throws he throws slightly above average, I would say. Yeah. Um. It's certainly not. It's not uh the kind of arm where third base coaches are going to no. automatically scout against it. 
Uh, but but he doesn't move as well as I think you'd like to see in the outfield. Certainly doesn't run the bases as well as you'd like to see. Um, Odor is always going to look clunky at second base. But if you look at the defensive metrics, he made some progress last year. He did. Um, now, will he ever be Altuve at second base? No, no. he won't. Um, I just don't think he has. I, you know, he's a, he's a good guy. You look at what the things that Altuve does to make himself better. Look, I, it's I, phenomenal. I mean, to your point, I think the big overestimation here was on Profar because yeah. the and this is not just the Rangers, but I, you know, you look back now, and yes, there were injuries and and there have been circumstances, but Profar doesn't run well. No, uh, as a switch hitter in the big leagues, he has not shown anything from the left hand side, right hand side, uh, from the right hand side. Um, uh, I think he has. Nice fielding abilities in the middle infield. I don't think he's shown much as an outfielder. Oh, no. no. Um, I do well, he's think, not going to hit enough to be an outfielder. I do think he's shown the ability to pick up. See, the thing about the thing scouts have always told me about Profar when he was a, a young teen, and the thing that they liked so much was he had really good baseball aptitude, mm-hmm. that he picked things up quickly. And you look at when, he, when they asked him to play first base two years yes. ago. And within – he, he worked out at first base for a day, went over there, played the position, and played adequately. Mm-hmm. And those are the kinds of things that stood out for him. But the other stuff, I mean, he's not, he's not developed physically. No. Um, the arm doesn't play. It's not like – he's not athletic enough for you to say, okay, we're going to make him an everyday outfielder. No. Um, and yes, I, I agree on the two-way player thing, and this is something I, I stressed a lot last year. You look at Boston's de- outfield, right. that defensive outfield was a huge asset for them, particularly for their pitching staff. Absolutely. You look at Houston's middle infield, you know, it's a huge asset for them. Absolutely. Now I add Alex Bregman there, and he's very athletic at third base. Yeah, they're talking talk about maybe they'd be better off if the guys uh, flip positions. Right. So uh, I, I think you I think you you bring up a great point on that. Um because then you're talking about Mazzara, and he's the best of the three. Because you go around. Cause, well, you're talking Mazzara, Odor, and no, no, no and I'm talking, Profar. I'm talking about in the outfield. Oh, in the outfield. And I, and, and, and I think I listen. I think your your point on DeShield's arm being below par, well taken. Again, you look at the route running and everything. All the all the metrics say it significantly improved last year. Kenny Lofton had a terrible arm as a center fielder. Right, made up for a lot of it with raw speed. I'm not putting I'm not putting DeShields on that level, but I think he has moved. The Rangers would the Rangers would not be considering him as a center fielder if they didn't think he was an adequate defensive center fielder. Does he have shortcomings? Yes, but I think he has also improved. And I think we need to give him credit. For Let that. me ask you this then about DeShields because uh, because here's the other problem with that is, as I said before to get the most punch in your lineup because look. Ryan Rua, 27 years old. He's not a kid anymore. Right. Uh, and we've seen Ryan Rua. Correct. Why do we think that Ryan Rua is going to do anything from what he's done before? Correct. Uh, you know, so – um and 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 I think I like Drew Robinson. There's things about him I like. I, I don't know what he's going to be. He looks more like a super utility kind of guy. I think to he me. is a super utility guy. I'd I'd like to see. And if, if Ryan Rua, not Ryan, if Drew Robinson gets sent back to the minors at the end of camp this year, I would like to see him get significant time at, at shortstop. Short. Yeah, yeah, he needs to play some more short so he can. If he can, if because if he can't play shortstop, then he's no good. That's the really. thing that would. Well, you could look if you had a team with some versatility. Um, where you had a, a second player who could play some short, that's great. But here, if you're going to be the super utility guy, 
you have to play shortstop. Yes. Yeah, they don't have anybody else. Correct. Alberto. So uh, here's the thing to me about this, and I asked John this yesterday when he was talking about playing young guys and giving these young guys more of a chance. I I asked him, is this because – you are um, wanting to see, you know, more of these young guys, or is is this driven by a mistake you felt like y'all have made in the past? Mistake or mistakes y'all have made in the past? And you know, uh, and he said it was not really; it was more of the former than the latter. But I will say this: Delino has uh, messed up himself, right? Because he came in at over two hundred pounds. Uh, was that two years ago? And then uh, was trying to make himself into something he was not, taking away his, the speed element of it and trying to be more of a power hitter because he does have some pop. Um, but I will also say that um, it seems to me the manager lost some confidence in him and then didn't want to play him anymore. After that. And I, at the time, I, I'll have to say – I didn't have a problem with it either. He right. was not producing, and he was and he was not. not he as wasn't fast. the same player. He in, wasn't the same player, right? In Sixteen. But but you saw last year uh, that you know the the, the drastic difference uh, in the in the team's record when he was hitting leadoff right. for for the Rangers and when he was not. And I don't you know you sometimes stats can get you know a little funny and you can do things with them. I don't think that was one of them. I, I think when he got on base, he made things happen. And and as he as he put it. And this is the thing that drives me crazy about Delano. I think he's a bright kid. I like him. You know, he, he's he's interesting to talk to, and and uh, and he's and he played for a uh, a man who's a lifetime uh, baseball man, and yet he would still do things in games. You would go, oh my gosh, what what in the world is he thinking when he does that? And and that's that's the thing that's troubling with me a little bit about Delano. I think in the end. I don't recall a bunch of those instances last year. There was still some. I think uh, no, there's not, a, there's not I think, a bunch, but there's still some. It's like to me, the thing is, you're you're the son of a lifetime baseball man who has taught you everything. You should be the smartest guy on this team. That's my take on that. And, and he's and he's not. He still has the occasion to do that. So my my point is, is that I wonder how much that has affected their judgment about him because. As I'm looking at it right now, I'd rather that he was playing left field. It, it, to me, in the best case scenario, Delano DeShields is your left fielder, not your center fielder. Uh, this they don't have that ability now because they don't have anybody else who can play center field. I think he's more of an asset as a left fielder than he is as a absolutely. Center. But he's a tremendous asset as a leadoff hitter, and so that, that's as I said, that's the problem with the Rangers. There's too many guys who have one thing they can do. Uh, there's not enough guys who offer you multiple things to do mm-hmm. and, and, and multiple ways that they can do damage. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and he is and, – and, and on a team, you've you got to have more guys. Thanks. You've got to have more guys who, who can help you in multiple ways. Uh, but when you have a guy like Delino who clearly – is an answer at, at leadoff hitter. Um, and I, I think that he has potential to be big time there, and that, that will make up a lot for his defensive liabilities. And that's why, to me, they need to give him that full season. What could Delano do in that full season and where he's leading off every day? Not just every once in a while. Or not, so we can put Chew out there or we can run somebody else out there. Let's let Delano do this every day and let's see what he does. Me, I think he can uh, score 100 runs. Let me. Uh, I just want to see something based on last year. Last year, the Rangers' leadoff situation: DeShields led off seventy-eight times, Chu sixty-two. 
Um, Gomez, 21. I, yeah, I, I think you'd like to see Del- Delino hit leadoff over 100 times. Yes. Um, you know, nobody nobody had – nobody in the Rangers lineup last year had more than uh, 96 starts in any one position in the lineup. The lineup is going to move around and everything. Yeah. But, yeah, you know, you would – if your guy is playing every day and you, you can start him in center field and lead him off every day – yeah, I would like to see DeShields get a hundred plus starts in center in 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 the leadoff spot. See what he can do. Um, uh, could he score over a hundred runs? Hey, you know he scored he, he scored eighty three runs in two thousand fifteen when he when he played one hundred and twenty one games. So that's a lot of runs for one hundred twenty one yeah, games. Yeah, uh, this guy could. Yeah, he he could. Uh, he's definitely got the ability to score 100 runs. He's definitely got the ability to um, create early opportunities, uh, and I think that it would behoove the Rangers uh, to try and stick him up there and and stay with him. Um, oh, one more thing about Delano, I'd like to say, and he said this. This is what his dad has told him, and and I like that. His idea is that if I'm batting lead off, I'm going to score. I believe he said at least one run, at least one run a game. He said that that's my mentality. I'm just thinking about scoring. I'm not thinking about hitting a home run. I'm not thinking about stealing bases necessarily. I'm just thinking I'm going to score a run. And and I I like that mentality. That that's his goal is to score a run because when you have that as your goal, uh, I, I think it means that I'm going to do what I, I need to do to get there. You know, to that position, and that is the ultimate goal. And that, I think that's what, to me, besides his speed, sets him apart a little bit from that. Listen, I, I, I think that he's still got areas where you know he's never going to be. There's area he's not going to be perfect, right? Um, he's still got areas where he can improve. But I think that last year was a real coming of age moment for Delano. He realized yeah. who he was. He realized what he needed to be. Uh, and I think that with more. Uh, opportunities and more ability to focus on that. He's only going to improve that ability. Uh, and I think, listen, I think this is the perfect opportunity. You've got a number of young 25 and 26 year old guys who haven't necessarily reached their prime. And given the circumstances, I think it is smart for the Rangers. I think Tim alluded to this, Tim Kalashaw did on Sunday. And I think you're going to allude to this as, as, as well, that I think it's the smart practical move right now. I, it doesn't mean that they're not competing, and it doesn't mean that they've given up on the season. Um, Pretty close. I don't think it does. Look, I, I don't I, – I think there's – when you jettison players the way the Marlins have, the way the Pirates have, and then you don't sign anybody, I think it says we're not competing. Well, there's a difference between – listen, there's a difference between tanking – Correct. Which that's what that is. We're tanking. You know, we get we we get we've. There's no question about that. And there's a difference between. I think there's a difference between tanking and growing. And I think the Rangers are in a growth period right now. And they are. They. This is like these are like bridge years. I, I was surprised. And I've read a, a, a something that was up uh, on Bleacher Report, maybe talking about uh, their power rankings. And they had the Rangers 14th. Yeah. I was shocked by that that they had on that high. Yeah. I. I mean, I think that if you look at the pitching. Uh, again, it goes back to stuff that we've talked about, but right now, 
you have to hope that a lot of things fall right for their pitching staff. I think it's much more realistic to think that Mazzara, there's reason to believe Mazzara and Odor can take big steps forward. Yeah, uh, We've gone through the reasons why we why it's clear to believe that DeShields can continue on the upwards path. Um, but you've got to hope that Mike Miner can move from, from the bullpen to the rotation. You've got to hope that... Or Cole, that you turn him into the closer. Well, you've got to hope that Cole Hamels... Um, can bounce back from a career worst year. You've got to hope that Martin Perez does not go bull riding again. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, Matt Moore certainly can't really get much worse than he was last year. No. Nope. Uh, and you know, is Doug Fister service? There's, there's, those are all guys that there's a lot of you gotta hopes about. There's nobody where you say we know we can count on this from this pitcher right now. But you could have said this though. And that for this for this team, and this is why to me, the lineup's good enough. The yes. lineup is good enough to win, and it is. It is, and you could say that the bullpen, as bad as it was, uh, there are indications that it could be better this year, considerably better. I still think they needed a proven closer, and I think if Mike Miner ended up as the closer, that would be just fine. If you if you just, and this is what I'm sure fans are looking at. If you go out and sign Jake Arrieta. Or if you signed uh, you Darvish, uh, then this year you could be competitive. Uh, you could you could have a lot better chance of being competitive than than not. And I, I'm not saying those were the right moves to make because um, I, as I've written before in this uh, this winter, uh, I've said that there is no top level pitcher out there in the farm system right now who looks like he's ready to go in the next couple of years. Uh, that could be in, in two or three no. years, but probably not in, the, not in the next couple of years. And so to me, it would be good to have a Darvish as a bridge to get you over this, this period now where you'd be competitive, and then when these young guys start to come up, he's there and, and, uh, and as a mentor and the leader for that rotation. I think that's a, a prudent move. To me, I, I'd be the first to say, if your team stinks, the last thing you need to be doing is spending money on it. Right. Uh, this team doesn't stink. The rotation stinks. The team doesn't stink. So, as, as going to the point of the fact that they were 14th and one doesn't mean that they're right, but I was I was shocked that they they came up with that number with this pitching staff. So, I I don't have a big problem with what they're doing. Um, you know, if the you know my my problem is that uh, I, I do think that they could have signed another pitcher. I I, I think I, you 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 should have thrown some money at, at one of these guys and see what happens. You know, and maybe they end up doing that. I don't think they will. Uh, but I don't think you're. Do. I don't think you throw you you. you There's there's four guys still out there that would seem to make something of a difference in a rotation, uh, and there's still big separation I think between Cobb and Lynn versus Darvish and Arietta. Right. If one of those guys falls into the market where the Rangers are comfortable playing, um, the seventeen eighteen million dollar a year range, I think it yeah it it's certainly prudent of them to say this is value shopping. Even if it's big money at this point, it's value shopping, and if they can do that, then they have to be they have to be prepared. I'm not sure whether or not the market has fallen or whether this has been an artificial kind of uh, slowdown um, created partly by agents, partly by the fact that you know there's basically ten teams out there that aren't competing for anything. Partly because we were waiting to see if Garrett Cole was going to be dealt after all the other stuff that took place with the pitching market. Speaking of tanking, um, so I, 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 
I'm not necessarily optimistic that the Rangers will sign a one of the big four that's out there, uh, but I do think that they will add another pitcher. I think that they'll probably add another guy or two on a minor league contract that's got some big league experience. Um, I think that's what they're going to do too. And I think they've re- I think they've resigned themselves to that. I think they just they they're comfortable in that, and they're just then that's what they're going to do. Um, and I and I think they just want to see, as he said, uh, you know, we'll, we'll use this year to determine who the keepers are, and uh, and and look at some of these guys, and then we can make some decisions going forward. And maybe stock up our foreign system a little bit. Because there's tra- trades at the deadline. There's no. I don't see a scenario. Now, now look, Justin Verlander is going to be 35 this year. Right. Um, there was some thought he was on a downward plane uh, until really the middle of last year. Um, well, until he got he sniffed the uh, playoffs. Yeah. You know. Um, of course, that's kind of who he is too. But but could could Justin Verlander be you know crossing the the threshold Absolutely. and going down? Yes. Dallas Keuchel's a free agent after this year. Well, Dallas Keuchel, you know, a little all over the map, too. Um, Garrett Cole, I'm not sure Garrett's, Garrett Cole's a number one or a number two. Yeah. Um, Charlie Morton clearly seems to have discovered something. Yeah. But, you know, there's there's some up and down erratic sure. n- numbers to his career. Um, so uh, this is not to say that there are questions about the Astros rotation, but there is something that can go wrong with just about every team. Yeah. Well, remember when the Phillies, everybody thought the Phillies had the the world's greatest rotation, remember? Right. And that didn't exactly work out for no. them. And so I, I feel like, you know, what the Rangers the Rangers need to do is be realistic, which I think they are. Um, be, also be opportunistic, which I think they're looking at. And continue to move forward. Because we've sat here and talked for, for 35 minutes, and it still comes down to this. They don't have the pitching to compete right now at the at the top of the AL West or the top of the American League. They don't have the pitching in their farm system that's ready to uh, take them to the next level and probably won't for another two years. And so I think that it, it is a growth period for the Rangers. And it's it's kind of, look, the, the natural cycle of things is if you can create a decade of competition and competitiveness – before you've got to rebuild, you've done a pretty good job in baseball. That's what the Rangers have had. They 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 were they were contenders from '09 through 2017. This year, they may take a a a, a, a a dive a little bit down, but the nature of the game is you're going to develop young players. You hope that that young, that wave of young players is all time together. Okay. The second part is then you've got to supplement it with free agents, which costs money. And because of our kind of skewed economic system in the game right now, you're going to add players like you did with Chu in that you thought, okay, this is a guy we're going to pay a lot of money for, but we really expect the production in the first couple of years. And we'll figure out what to do with the other $80 million down the road. The third part of it is you're going to also have to supplement by trading some of your young players for assets, which the Rangers did clearly with Cole Hamels most recently. And so what it leaves you with is a bloated payroll eventually, some older players, and a, and a farm system that is, at least at some level, got a bubble in it. You know, mm-hmm. The bubble right now is at the top of the minor league system. There's nothing there. There's, there's air there, and then you're, you're, you know, your growth is at the, at, at the lower level. It's natural. Fans don't want to hear it. Fans don't like it. But this is kind of the smartest way to go about it rather than just say, 
you know, do what the Yankees did all through the 1980s and just throw money at free agents left and right. It didn't win them anything. And it wasn't no. until they reset and got together with that group of young players that included Jeter, Pettit, Rivera, Posada, Bernie Williams. And that group started to, to bubble up to the big league level. It wasn't then until they started to create their dynasty again. No, I don't disagree with any of that. I'm just saying this is going to be a tough sell. Uh, and because here's the thing, if you're, if you're, if you're playing, what you're explaining to everybody is we're going to see how these young guys do other than the young guys you already had in the lineup. You're going to play anyway. Uh, they were going to play every day. I don't, I don't really see what you're accomplishing there. Uh, because Gallo was going to play already. Odor was going to play. Mazzara was going to play. Uh, you know, the shields is going to get some more time out of this. And if Willie Calhoun, to me, if he ends up being the winner in left field or at DH, whatever you're going to do, and if he ends up looking like the player that uh, you hope he is going to be, well, then okay, you got something going there. But as you as you pointed out, you're still you're not getting anything out of the pitching, and that's Correct. what you, and the, you're not you're not seeing any new pitchers. But you've, you've got to you've got to pretty much bide your time. I think you got to bide your time with those you guys. Know, none of those guys are ready. The other really great development would be that in the second half of this year, if you get. Uh, Johander Mendez back to the big leagues as a starter or Ariel Gerardo to the big leagues as a starter and they show you something. Those would be big developments this year. Because that's, that's to me when you're not re- – if you're if you're electing to go with older guys, you know, that that's – it seems – I understand why they're doing it, but it seems at cross purposes to say we want to see young guys play. Okay, you want to see young guys play? So you're starting, you're starting uh, Doug Fister. You're starting Matt Moore. You know, these are not young guys. These are, but you don't have the young guys. No, you don't. That's and so, that, but that's that's the problem with the. It's it's almost like we, we we're going to have this philosophy, but we really can't. But they, you know, the the thing is, they haven't they haven't spent a whole lot to get these guys. Well, they never spent money on pitching. This this organization has spent less on pitching than any, or I would bet, than any other good organization in baseball. I would I would I would agree with with that to to a large degree, but I mean the, the the bottom line is you knew that you didn't have the pitching to supplement it in house, and that there wasn't the ability to really construct a a a championship rotation on the free agent market, and so what you've done is you've been realistic and you've tried to to sign some value picks and look if more has again if 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 things don't go well for this team but some of these individuals perform well. You can trade Matt Moore at the deadline, you know. Can you? I if if he performs well, if he performs well, right? I, you know, I mean, uh, everything indicates he won't perform well. That's and that, what, and that you know, I you might be able to get something from Mike Miner, and you and you you will get something from Mike Miner if he pitches like he did last year. And you might, you know, then you might even uh, again, you know, the, in a situation a where you might you might sign a Lynn or a Cobb and pay a little bit extra money to to get those guys, or even a Darvish, with the idea that at some point in time. You might be able to trade them, sure. So, yeah. you know, you'd be paying money to kind of acquire more assets. Yeah, it's possible. All right, I think we talked long enough. I've had enough of you. <laughs> I like that. That's a good closer. So we didn't have Barry, uh, which was uh, which was okay. Uh, we did have Reiner Saban who came on and talked about the uh, something about the Nick Saban and about Jason Garrett. He's covered both of them, and the fact that Jason's a big fan of Nick's. Uh, has tried to adopt some of his uh, philosophies and, and characteristics. It hasn't worked out so far, uh, but uh, but it was interesting talk anyway. One of yeah, one of the things he's tried to adopt is winning on a regular basis, and yeah. that that has he's won some, but it hasn't been on a regular basis. No, no not not regular enough. No. 
So uh, that'll do it for us this week. That's right. We'll be back here next week. Well, what? I won't. I will. I will be. You'll be of here town. next week. No, I'll be out of town. Oh my gosh! What is up with you? I, I'm a world traveler. Wow. Is this for fun or are you doing it for work? I can't tell you. <laughs> oh, I wanted to ask about Joey Gallo. So when you're out well, walking around Las Vegas, are people recognizing Joey? Nobody recognized Joey Gallo. Nobody? Um, and we... What does that tell you about that town? We went to one, two, three, four places around town, and nobody recognized him. But that tells you everything you need to know about making Las Vegas a sports town, about having a baseball team there, having it's going to have a football team in there pretty soon. You know, these people couldn't care less about sports. Well, I think the, the other the, the part of it is that everywhere we were, where people were, they were all tourists. They weren't from Las Vegas. I mean, you know. Well, that's part of the part of the deal, part yeah, of the problem. Yeah, you know? so, it is a tourist town. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm sure if 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 I had been with Bryce Harper, people would have recognized him. But I don't know how many. So let's if he's throwing that hair around. Um, and, and I don't know what would have happened if I had been with Chris Bryant. But uh, uh, no, I was. Joey Gatto's uh, kind of hard to miss. He's a big fella, and big we fella. had a photographer taking some pictures, <laughs> and there was only one person <laughs> at one point in time who was like, uh, yeah, hey, what's going on here? But but also, Las Vegas, there's like a lot of people standing around taking, taking pictures. Yeah, so yeah. Um, anyway, uh, we are going to get out of here, um, and we will talk to you guys soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Rangers Ballsy Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe via iTunes. You'll get new episodes every week. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, sports fans, see ya.